At Mighty Parenting, we hear a lot of great information and we hear how we can support our kids as they grow and learn and develop through their teen years and into their 20-something years. And as a parent, some of that requires modeling behaviors, some of that requires changing our behaviors, and all of it relies on our ability to stay reasonably calm. Not that we can't make a mistake and apologize later. However, it's a lot easier when we have that calm core in ourselves. I've developed a resource to help with that. It's a complimentary lesson on stress relief. You can get that at sandyfowler.com forward slash stress dash relief. A little something to help you balance those scales, calm your nervous system, lessen triggers, and be the parent you want to be. Just pop over to sandyfowler.com forward slash stress dash relief. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a podcast with real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a community where we help you raise teens and parent 20-somethings so they can become happy, successful, and emotionally healthy adults. I'm Sandy Fowler, stress relief guide for moms and host of the Mighty Parenting podcast. A quick reminder, pop over to mightyparenting.com. We have a free email series for you on how to talk to your teen. And when you open the first one, even if you're upset with me, just be patient, wait one day and open the second one. And you will be much happier. I've had some complaints about parents not liking the first one, but then finding out that when they do what it says, it helps. So little sneak peek there. All right, we're raising teens. We've got 20-somethings. And I think back to when we're waiting for these little bundles of joy to show up in our lives. And what do we do as parents? We dream. We dream about holding them, about spending time with them. We dream about enjoying this great relationship when they're all grown up. What we don't dream about is arguing and talking back and lying or manipulation. These are they're things no parent really wants to think about or deal with. And they are definitely more challenging problems than we like to encounter with our teenagers. They're also problems that can erode our relationship when we don't know how to handle them and how to deal with them. The good news is that there are solutions. And Kimball Lewis from EmpoweringParents.com is joining us today to take a look at those challenging behaviors, things like teens lying and talking back to us, so that we can understand what's happening and what we can do about it. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, Kimball. Thanks, Sandy. Glad to be here. So let's kick this off by talking about lying. And what I'd actually like to know is what kinds of misconceptions do parents have about lying? Well, at, at Empowering Parents, one of the, the key things that we tell parents is um, it's very helpful not to view lying as a moral issue, like there's something morally wrong with your child if they're lying or lying to you. And and view it as a behavior issue. Because ultimately what they're, kids are confronted with problems that they haven't had before in their life. You know, like having to get up and do schoolwork and, and deal with peer pressure and all sorts of stuff, things that they just haven't dealt with in life before. And 
they have to solve those problems. And for us, those are just everyday problems that as adults, we've kind of figured out. But for them, it's brand new. Like, you know, when a kid, a child or a teen, if for the first time in their lives is accountable to something or to someone, which is either like a job or getting schoolwork done. And those are problems for them. And they have to, they have to somehow solve those problems. And one of their problems, and they can actually, they can, they can be responsible and solve things like effective ways and learn that. But um, one of the ways they solve those problems is by lying. Like lying is a, is a reasonable way to like in a kid's mind, it actually works. Sometimes you can get out of a responsibility. You can get out of trouble by lying. And so we always view it as not a moral issue as it's a behavior issue. And the, and the kid has, you know, your child has poor problem solving skills. Um, and they try to solve whatever problem they're having is by lying. Um, so that's one of the key things is that it's not a moral issue. There's not something wrong with your child. Uh, and you know, the vast majority of the cases, um, they're just, they're just trying to solve a problem they have and they're not doing it in a very effective way. Yeah. I think about it. And even as adults, there are certainly times that we just lie our way out of a situation because either, like you said, we don't know how else to get out of it, or it just seems like the easiest, fastest, it's the path of least resistance. Yeah. So it's, it's a behavior issue and, and, um, you know, we tell parents also, like, don't take it personally when your child lies to you. It's hard not to, though, right? Because they, they look you right in the face. And they tell you something that's that's not true. And you like, you know, it's not true. Um, but again, it's just you just you just happen to be that person who either sets limits or they're accountable to. And they would have lied to, to anyone to solve this problem. And you just you take it personally. And it's actually important not to take it personally and just and, and look, say, hey, my kid has a behavior problem that somehow I need to help that my child with and 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 that's a big part of the of the of the lying so it's it's not a moral issue it's a behavior issue and don't take it personally um it's very hard though because when when your child lies to you like of course you take it personally but if you want to be effective in addressing the issue um it's best to sort of you know you have to separate yourself from your child and just say wait a second there's there's a there's just another person here who's who's got a problem they're trying to solve and they're doing it through lying. And it's just not, it's not working. So. Well, what happens when we take it personally? You've said it's really important not to take it personally. What do you see happening when a parent takes the lying personally? Well, Sandy, you mentioned at the beginning, which is we raise our kids, right? And we're all excited about, you know, you have this bundle of joy and you come home with a baby and they're toddlers and you take care of them and it's stressful, but it's like, there's love, you know, there's a lot of love going on. And then when they hit their teenage years, this this child that you feel like you've sacrificed for for many years and loved or whatever now they like they rebel <laughs> they talk back to you and and you start thinking to your and which is all normal this is what kids go through um but you start think you start having these feelings of like they have they don't they don't appreciate what i did for them and took care of them for 10 12 13 14 years like there's no appreciation for all the sacrifices made for your child and the truth is we tell parents is, is that they will not, they're not going to appreciate it. They don't, they don't, there's no kid who really appreciates it. Maybe when they're like 20, 30, 25, 30, you know, later on in life, they, they'll appreciate, or maybe it's until they have their own kids, they appreciate what their parents did for them, but you're not going to get appreciation out of your kid. It's a, it's just, if, if, if you're expecting that you're going to be disappointed. Um, and if you are expecting that, and you take it personally, you're going to not like your child. And that's going to hurt your relationship. 
or if you view the lying as you've, you've taken it personally and it's a more, there's something morally wrong with my child. Um, it hurts the relationship. It actually hurts your ability to um, have, to connect with your child and get them to improve uh, whatever behaviors they're having. So um, it doesn't make the lying go away necessarily. Like you still, you know, it takes some work to get your kid to come around and stop lying to you. If that's, if that's the, the way that you're trying to solve their problems, but taking it personally is going to hurt the relationship. And it, and if your relationship is hurt and you start feeling bitter towards your child, uh, it becomes much harder to, to rectify that. So, you know, we have a, we have an article on our site, which is really, really popular. And it's kind of sad that it's popular, but, um, but in a way it's, it's great because there's so many comments on it and parents can acknowledge a feeling they have a lot of parents when their kids get into their teen years, they don't like their child. That's a, that's a common Google search that brings people to our sites. So I don't like my child and they feel horrible about it. They don't know what to do about it. And it's a very popular article with lots of comments on it where parents are talking about, yeah, I don't like my child, like my child, like he's just not, he's not nice to me. And I, you know, and they feel terrible guilt. And, um, you know, we bring up in the article that it's, it's, you gotta tell yourself it's what you don't like is your child's behavior and, and the choices your child is making and not that you don't like your child. And you don't have to be best friends with your child. You don't have to be, you know, some, some parents aren't going to connect necessarily with their child uh, the way they might with a friend or whatever, but that doesn't mean that they don't love their child. And it doesn't mean that they can't be an effective parent and do what they need to do for their child. So these are all things that just, that come up that make parenting really hard. You know, it's emotional. Um, So if I answer, I'm keep going on and on. Yeah. So, well, here's, I have, two questions. So take one at a time. And first, all right. So they're lying and this is a behavior problem. Okay. Big, huge sigh of relief. Shoo. Yeah. We, we can help, help them change behavior, hopefully. And that's one thing I guess too, we have to accept is that we can't make another human being do anything. We talk about that on the show. Like you can't do anything like that. Right. Yeah. They're, they're responsible for their behavior, not you. Right. It's their so, behavior, not your behavior, right? So don't feel guilty about it. It's their behavior. But our behavior does impact theirs, right? So exactly. Behavior, besides not taking this personally, reminding ourselves of these things, yep. what behavior can we do? What actions can we take or not take to help them shift that behavior? Because depending on the amount they're doing it, like you said, yes, there's some natural natural path through lying going, okay, I'm still learning yeah. problem solving skills, or they do it once in a while. And if they never learn those skills, this can become habitual. And I can see where for some kids, I mean, as a parent, you're looking at it going, oh my gosh, how will they hold a job? How will they have friends? How will they have relationships if they're lying to people all the time? Yep. So, um, so there's a, there's a few things. Um, you, so now your child's lying and you're like, it's like, okay, and I'm not, and I'm trying not to take it personally. I see this behavior issue now, but what do I do? Uh, which is great to get to that point. So first of all, you always confront the lies. Um, if they're lying, you confront them on it. You say, no, that's not true. You're lying to me. And, and, and explain to them what's, if you don't confront the lies, the problem is a lot of these kids, they start believing their lies. You know what I mean? They have these, they have these things in psychology, they call them cognitive distortions or thinking errors. Um, and they start believing their lies even, which is a problem. Uh, 
but you need to confront the lie whenever they do it. Um, and, and not be afraid to do that. And when you confront the lie, your child's not going to like you and it's going to cause arguments and other things, but, but don't let them get away with the lying. Um, and, and don't let them, cause they're using it right as a problem solving skill. And if you lie and you don't confront it and it, that their, their lie actually becomes successful, right? And that reinforces whatever it is that they were doing. Like, oh, I did, I actually got out of it because of my lie. So, so one thing is you, you always confront the lie. So um, you said there can be, you know, obviously this, this makes sense to me. I confront my child. I say, you're lying. They deny it. They get angry. So I understand the initial statement of, no, you're lying to me and stating the, the evidence, the proof, this is the mm -hmm. reality. And then I stop talking and they get angry. They push back. What do I do at that point? Do I, do I drop it once I've stated that this is a lie? Do I keep pushing this issue? Am I yeah. trying to get them to accept that and agree with me? What's happening there? Yeah. So um, when parents come to us, they're having this problem over and over again. It's not like the child lied once, right? So this is a, so when this is a problem with parents, it's happening a lot, uh, which is actually a good thing in the sense that you can prepare for what you're going to do. And so you confront the lie, but ahead of time, you, you know, what are the consequences for lying and you just set up a, 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 a set of consequences, um, uh, for what, for what they did or, or, um, so they're lying about something, right? And it's it's better to have the consequence based on the behavior that they did, not on the lie itself. Okay. Do you know what I mean? So let's mm -hmm. say they lied about, I don't know, their their schoolwork or or something or or something that happened. They they need consequences for those things that they did did badly. And you can have a consequence for the lying as well. Uh, but it needs to be something uh, reasonable. And what you want to do is confront the behaviors that led to the lie in the first place. Like they're trying to get out of something. So when you go in, when they do lie and you confront it, you don't need to have a long conversation with about it. You just say, I know you're lying and here are the consequences for this thing that you did. And you want reasonable, effective consequences, not punishments, a consequence for something that they did that. Um, so they know when they do X that Y happens and you'd sort of be a little bit dispassionate about the whole thing. In other words, you don't need to have a long speech to them and a long conversation about what's why relying is not right or not wrong. It's you're lying to me. I know you're lying to me. Here's why. And here are your consequences. And the conversation can kind of end at that point. Okay. So even if they're saying, no, I didn't, you can just say, I hear you. And I know you were lying. You could like essentially just repeat it. Repeat what you yes. said, yep. said dispassionately because it's, it's that emotion. It's yeah. that feeling of being hurt and disappointed that creates a lot more problem and, yeah. and creates issues in the relationship too. I'm, I'm guessing you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but I'm just listening to this. I'm thinking, well, if we come back at our kid with all this emotion, then that takes it out of the realm of just truth and reality versus the distortion. Now that's bringing in a whole nother world without even saying anything about it. Yeah. And you don't even need to go to that world. Right. Right. So if we're um, dispassionate, it leaves everything else out. We are functioning just in truth and lies yeah. and that's it. And there's, yep. there isn't anything else. And after, and after the lie, like when, when the lie is, when you're confronting the lie and what's going on and there's a, there's a consequence for their lying 
And, you know, we have articles on what are effective consequences. There are some consequences that don't work really well. And there's some that, that are, that are effective. Um, and we can go into that a little bit later on, but if you like, but at the time of the lying, you just want to apply the consequence, tell them you're lying to me, confront it, apply the consequence, and you can kind of end it there. Uh, you can later on the next day or a couple of days later, actually schedule a time to sit down and talk to your child about what the problem with the lying is and why when there's lying, it creates mistrust. And when there's mistrust, there's, there's consequences. Like, for example, you know, I can't trust you, um, you know, uh, to have your door room closed or whatever, you know, maybe there's mm -hmm. alcohol, there's, there's a lot of things that could be going on. And you can explain to your child, like you've, you've lied to me and what, and you're going to have to gain your trust back. And in the meantime, the consequences are, I need to be able to um, either check your phone or, or, you know, you need to be, you need to have the room open, uh, the door to your room open, things like that. So, okay. but you can have that discussion, um, you know, a day or two later when things are calm and you're not in the midst of you dealing with a specific lie. Well, and I, that gives us an opportunity then to sit down calmly. Hopefully everyone is calm when you scheduled this and to say, Hey, I understand the desire to lie when you're in a situation, when you've got a problem, it, it's a way of, of, feels like a way of avoiding consequences or avoiding an uncomfortable situation. And you might get away with it sometimes. I mean, I'm sure you have through your life at some points gotten away with it, yeah. but those things do catch up with you and they get bigger and they get more important. So let's work on problem solving skills. Let's talk about some situations that make you uncomfortable and figure out, see if we can figure out together yeah. how we can get you through it another way. It can open up that conversation yep. is what I'm feeling like. And they may, they may or may not want to have that conversation. Right. And if they don't, if, if they don't, it's actually okay too. Um, because then you just, you just follow up on the consequences and you say, and, and as you're given the consequences, you can say, look, the next time this happens, instead of lying, here are a couple of things you might want to do. And you can ex just explain it to them and then leave it at that. They don't have to agree with you. You've, you've planted the seed that there is an alternative. And then if, if they've been, the, if they're in the habit of lying, they're going to lie again and they're going to lie again and they're going to lie again. And if you follow this, if you follow this approach consistently, um, eventually, eventually they will, uh, they might experiment, they'll figure something out. They, they'll have a situation where they don't lie and they realize it actually turns out uh, okay for them or in a better place for them. So just, just because you apply one of these approaches once and it doesn't seem to work, doesn't mean it's not working. It just means that for some kids, it might take you know, several weeks of going through this before they get it. Well, as you said, this is a lack of problem solving skills, right? So it's going to take them time to develop those skills. So along yep. the way, we can look for opportunities yeah. to show appreciation or encouragement as they try out those skills. Yeah. And, and, it, and it could, and it could be, they want to have that conversation where they learn better problem solving, you know, different ways of approaching when they have an issue instead of lying about it. But they may not want to have that conversation until you've consistently applied consequences, you know, four, five, six, seven times. Mm -hmm. well, then and, maybe then maybe they're willing to have the conversation. Well, and as you said, it, even if they don't want to have a conversation, if we can just say, hey, and here's some other options or here's another choice you could have made or something else you could try next yeah. time, you just keep dropping those. They might not ever want to have the conversation and they they're still learning 
other options along yep. the way and hopefully testing those out. So I like that. And we need to move on because we have a couple of the things I want to, I want to really hit on today. And one is arguing and talking back, which kind mm-hmm. of come together. And for our mighty parents, as we talk here and we talk about listening to our kids and moving to that place of being a coach rather than a disciplinarian, but moving into a place where you're letting them take control of their life, where you're listening to what they have to say. Emotion is involved, hormones are involved, and that listening to them can be a blurry line between that and talking back, which all leads to an argument. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to tease that apart a little and go, how do we how do we look at it and go, well, wait a minute, this is talking back in a way that it's actually an issue. Yeah, it's I know not exactly. just, you know, it's not healthy pushing back. Like what, what makes that a problem for us and what can we do about that? So this is, this is actually how I got involved in um, empowering parents, uh, which was the, the foundations of all of our programs at empowering parents is a program called the total transformation program. And it was put together by a child behavior specialist named James Lehman. And in the late 2000s, he was on the radio doing advertising and I was driving my car and I heard his ad and he was from the area where I was living at the time. So I had some awareness of him, but his ad was just what stuck with me forever. He said that you don't have to attend every argument that you're invited to. Oh, I love that. He goes, you don't have to attend every argument you're invited to. You can RSVP no to your child's argument. And then he, and then he went on and said, when your child is using arguing and defiance as a way to solve their problems, they're doing it continually, you don't have to attend those arguments. So if you're dealing with a child who's constantly arguing um, and arguing about the rules and everything else, chances are what's, what's really going on is they're not arguing specifically about the rules. They don't want them to apply to them. And they're using arguing as a technique to get you to give in. And it happens all the time. So let's say your child doesn't want to do chores or doesn't want to do their homework and they argue about it and argue about it and they escalate it. And eventually either the parent gives in or the parent stops trying to hold them accountable. You know, it's not worth the fight. I don't have, I worked all day. I'm exhausted. I've come home. I don't want to fight with my kids. The last thing I want, then you stop holding your child accountable because of the arguing. And so they've actually trained you by through all of their arguing not to hold them accountable anymore. And, and James Lehman in this program, he's, he's very, he has these very specific cases where parents are dealing with this over and over and over again. He says, when it happens, you don't have to attend that when your child starts, you know, yelling and getting in your face and becoming verbally abusive and arguing, you can walk away from it. You just say to them directly, don't talk to me like that. I won't, I can't talk to you when you, when you argue like that and you walk away and you no longer talk to them and, and they can't, they don't drag you into that argument. And when it's the, it's one of the first techniques in the, in the total transformation program that we have parents apply when they're having this issue. And it's incredibly powerful because the, the, the child doesn't understand what's going on. This, this tool that's been so effective for them, which is a powerless child, basically, who's not in charge of anyone. They're not in charge of the rules at school. They don't, they're not the boss at work. You know, they're teenagers, right? They're, they're just getting their way in the world. But they have this incredible control over their parents, the way that no one has any control over anyone in the world, right? Your mm-hmm. kids like have this, this power. 
And when you walk away from their arguing and their fighting, which is the way that they they use to to you know solve their problem, basically, when you walk away from that, suddenly they're like it's almost like they're naked, like they don't have this this thing that worked for them for so long doesn't work anymore. Like the, my parents not listening to me, they just they just they shut off and they walked away. Um, so what's happening is they're using that arguing and fighting as a way to again to solve this problem. They they either have a responsibility they they want to meet. Or I'm sorry, they're supposed to meet and they don't want to, or they're not able to, or it causes them stress. And the way they get out of the responsibility instead of doing that thing is they argue about it. And in so many cases, we see parents, they don't like the fighting and the arguing and they, they absolve their child of the responsibility. And the child is like, oh, that worked. And the next time it happens, they do the arguing again and it worked. So when you walk away from the argument, it takes a, it takes a lot of steam out of that energy and they're like, they don't know what's going on. It's so interesting because this would always be the case. Nobody wants to spend all their time arguing no. with a child, a teen, a 20 something, whatever. And the busier our culture has gotten as the stress and the anxiety levels ratchet up, I can see it becoming harder and harder for parents to stick to it, to, to yeah. stick to holding them accountable, to even following up on, you know, have they done their chores? Have they done their homework? you get home from work or you finish out a day at home and you're tired. Yeah. You just want to sit down, have a nice family dinner and then chill. Maybe your person wants to play games. Maybe your person who wants to just relax and you still have chores to do. So the last thing you want to be doing is following up with yeah. someone who is almost an adult and try to hold them accountable for yep. everything. So that makes and all the sense in the world. So we, we take away this tool that's been working. How do we show them what else can work? Yeah, so that's the thing. So for your child to develop better problem-solving skills is, A, you have, to, you have to make sure that the tools they're using, which are not good life skills, that those no longer work. And walking away from those arguments is saying to you, that thing you've been doing to solve your problems for the last few years is no longer working for me because I'm not even going to have those conversations with you. And then when things calm down, you can have a problem solving conversation with them and, and say like, look, well, actually you have to combine that with consequences. So when they're, when they're verbally abusive or they're not doing something, you need to have your consequences in place and you need to dispassionately apply those consequences and say, look, when you do X, Y happens and be very consistent with those consequences. So you walk away from the arguing. There's no sense having the arguing. They're not arguing about the rules or arguing to get out of the rules. And then you have, you have, you have consequences for, for whatever it is they haven't done. Like if they haven't done their chores, if they haven't done their homework, um, there are consequences for those. And, and then you need to give them alternative skills. And so you have problem solving conversations with them. And the problem solving conversation looks something like this. When, when things are calm, not when, not when the fight's happening, it's later on. You say, look, you know, if, if you're not going to do your, you know, if, if you can't get up and get to school, for example, what, what, what can you do to, to help improve that situation? Um, maybe go to bed earlier, maybe, you know, figure out, talk with them through and try to figure out, you know, what would actually work in this situation for them? Because, because no longer is the case that you're arguing and you're fighting or whatever, and that's not going to work anymore. Because once you head down that route, route I'm going to shut off, I'm going to walk away, and there are going to be consequences, and we're not going to fight anymore. Okay. So you have the so so you make sure that they're bad be, you make sure that they're ineffective behaviors, which in a way are effective with the parent. They've been effective. That's why they do it. 
but it's not a good life skill. It's not what, what you want them doing as they're entering into the world and things are getting more complicated. You don't want arguing and fighting to be the way that they, they, they approach life. Um, you wanna make sure those don't work. That's what the disconnecting and not attending the arguments is about. You wanna have, have consistent consequences and then you need to have problem solving conversations with your kid. Um, that's usually the third step because they're not ready for those conversations until, until their current problem solving skills no longer working, which is the argument, the fighting and, and real consequences are being applied to them. Not punitive things, but just like, you know, if you don't, if you don't do your homework, you lose your phone. Like I, I, and you, you take their phone until they get their homework done. And the second they get their homework done, they get their phone back. And you don't get angry about it. You're just like, look, the consequence of not getting your, your, your work done is either you can't go out or, or you don't get your phone or you lose electronics privileges or whatever. And once you do your, get your work done, you get it back and you want them to get it back. That's, that's the, you know, that's one of the effective consequences is, is they get, they get that thing back that you took away by performing an action, by meeting that responsibility, they get it back. So the framework is very similar to lying. How, does manipulation work? You know, how I, I'm assuming that's going to be a similar kind of framework, right? The kids are manipulating because it works. How do we stop that? And what do we, what do we do with them instead there? Yeah. I, we sort of put that in the same category as lying is that when they're manipulating you, you, you call it out and you say, Look, okay, um, you're manipulating me or, or, um, uh, you let <laughs> You let them know, and you can actually walk away from those conversations too. Um, uh, but the, the key thing is to recognize that, that again, the manip their manipulation of you is, is a behavior problem. Don't take it personally. Um, try not to, it's hard to, you're gonna, that's the thing. You're like, you're gonna, you're gonna explode once in a while, even when you got, even when you kind of know what you're doing. Like sometimes you just like push the limit and you have to like forgive yourself when you do that because no one's perfect. Um, but just recognize when they're, when they're doing manipulation and, and then address it saying, look, are you trying to intimidate me? Are you trying to bully me? Um, what you're doing is trying to manipulate the situation and I'm not going to have it. And you walk away from it. You apply the consequences. Okay. You know, well, my, I love it. Yeah, you know, sorry. my son, my son, like, I don't know, my son worked at McDonald's for like a year. It was actually a great experience for him. And, and he was responsible, but if he didn't show up at work, his boss didn't yell at him. He didn't like get screamed at or whatever. He, he didn't get paid. And maybe the, maybe the boss had a conversation with him, like, look, you need to like, you know, you need to be on time or whatever. But there's no like yelling and screaming and and the and, and there's no like taking it personally. It's it's kind of it's it's a little more business like. And as your kids get older, you need to be you need to be a little bit more business like about the whole thing. And 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 think to yourself like, what if I'm the boss and this is an employee? How would I handle it? And if you have a if you have a good boss, they hold you accountable. Like if you don't show up, you don't get paid. If you continually don't go show show up, you might get fired actually. And it's hard to fire your kid. Like that doesn't quite work that way. <laughs> but but there's but there's sort of dispassionate consequences, which is you just don't get paid or, or, and, and you want to apply it that way. Um, and one thing you got to ask yourself, Sandy, so we, you got to ask yourself, is your child behaving this way with everyone or just you as the parent? And, and the reason I ask that is that the vast, vast majority of the time that 
these kids that are, that are arguing and fighting and everything else, it's more an issue with, with their parents and they're not doing it with the outside world quite as much. There are a, there are a few kids that are really oppositional and, and any type of authority, whether it's police officers, whether it's, it's bosses, whether it's school or whatever, like they don't like any authority and they rebel no matter what, like it's, we call those, those um, oppositional defiant, but that's not, the majority of cases, the majority of cases is the, the manipulation is going on with the parents because it works mm-hmm. and it doesn't work as much at school and it doesn't work at work because they get, they actually will lose their job or they don't get paid. Um, and maybe it works a couple of times that they lose their job a few times. What if they, if they actually need the money, um, they'll start, they'll start behaving correctly in order to keep their job. Okay. So what I heard in there was actually really good. If it's just you, instead of sitting back and being frustrated, like, oh my gosh, why do they treat me like this? It's like, yay, that's good news. This is just a that good, is good news. Issue yeah. We can yep. talk about if it's everywhere, you might want to consider getting an outside consult, talking to a professional, a school counselor, somebody to get a different perspective, to find out if you need some professional help with yes. your family, yes. with your child. Yep. And it's not just your child. That's going to be you too, because there are behaviors going on at home and you will need yes. to change. All right, and we, and we work with both parents, um, but the, most of the, most of the cases, most people that come with us, and the vast majority of these things, it's a parent-child issue, not a not a child, the rest of the world issue. Which is good news. And Kimball, I so much more I'd love to talk about, but we have maxed out our time. So for I appreciate you being on the show. Anyone who's listening who wants to learn more can go to empoweringparents.com. But yes. thank you for sharing all of this today. And I'll get a couple of those articles from you. We'll put links to those in the show notes, along with any other resources that might be helpful for parents. Okay. And, and uh, Facebook and Instagram also, we have our content out there as well. So, and just search for Empowering Parents and you'll find us. Empowering Parents. Great. Thank you, Sandy. And Mighty Parents, thank you so much for joining us today and being part of the Mighty Parenting community. Remember, you are a mighty parent. You got this. And I will see you next week. <laughs>